Um, hi, everybody. Welcome to the USL Show. Um, brought to you by uh, both our lovely friends over at Roughneck Scarves, uh, your home for um, U.S. national team men's and women's USL MLS scarves or scarves for uh, your own club or fundraiser use. Go check those guys out, roughneckscarves.com. Um, as well as brought to you by the wonderful folks over at the Beautiful Game Network of podcast and also written things now, which is really exciting. Um, go check that whole thing out, bgn.fm on the interwebs as well as the bgnfm on twitter um tons of friends over there and uh yeah that whole new written thing has been been really cool to watch kind of blossom and turn into something that's going to be even bigger than it is now so to get the plugs out of the way um i'm your host as always evan valella and for the next hour or maybe hour and a half because the live streams tend to run a little bit longer i will be your host moderator or maybe even your facilitator for a discussion of of one of the final weeks here this season in uh, in usl given that we're at the end of august and uh you know sometimes i'm joined by my soccer acquaintances sometimes it's by my soccer friends but uh this week joining me as always it's the waviest man in the st louis metropolitan area he is the cream in your irish coffee phil with two l's grooms how's it going phil Doing good, good, good. I still haven't good. bought beer for the house, so I'm sticking with my mixed drinks. That's fine. That's fine. Just keeping you updated. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. What mm-hmm. what is the mixed drink? Is it is it in fact an Irish coffee? I think it's too hot for those. It's now. very close. Uh, White yeah. Russian again, because okay, yeah, yeah, because it's cold. Okay, <laughs> and because um, all I have are those alcohols in my house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, good, good, good. Priorities, priorities. In, in Next true, time you're out, man, just be like, ooh, I need this. In true the dude fashion, I just put yeah, together yeah, yeah. what I had. Uh, also joining us is the man that puts the show in show notes, our no longer international international correspondent, joining us from the library, making its triumphant return. Uh, Ryan Allen, how's it going, man? Pretty good. Just had a uh, first day of classes, but happy to be back in Greenville. Dude, I'm so sorry that you're still in college and that I keep forgetting that you're still in college because you're smarter than I ever will be at this point already in your life, and it just makes me feel bad. Don't worry about it. It's senior year, so I'm happy all right, to be here. Slack <laughs> off and drink all the time. Don't do that. Just kidding. Um, also joining us, it is, uh, well, they say everything's bigger in Texas, but I mean, you know, our next host, Big Kev, is so big anyway. How much bigger can it get? Taken out by Smurfette. <laughs> How's it going? Yeah. I'm great. I'm great. How are you? Besides in Texas. Uh, I'm doing fine. No, man, Texas is fantastic. And I've also uh, visited Kansas and Missouri. In one trip, because I hit up KC before I came here, and uh, so it's two other states. I well, I've visited Texas before, but two other states have knocked off my list. So there you go. Uh, and and finally, last but certainly uh, not least, it is someone that I am very happy to call both my mortal enemy and a dear friend, um, and also someone I just thrashed in fantasy Premier League play. But I won't tell you the score because I am partially a gentleman. Um, a a big part of of BG unwritten by the way, which is nice. Um, coming out of his two-slash-three-year podcast retirement, it's time for some soccer with Brian, Brian Cook. So when you asked me yeah. to be on the podcast, mm-hmm. I got absolutely terrified because yeah. after I was like, oh, yeah, and now after I playfully acted like I was going to decline it, I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. And then I started thinking, oh, God, Evan does these intros. What the heck is he going to say yeah. about me? Yeah. <laughs> And yes, we will uh, abstain from mentioning any fantasy results. We will, we will. But um, <laughs> let me tell you, it was a good wake to. Uh, it was a good. It was a good wake. It was a great funeral. It was a good week. Well, it was a good to, wake uh, for my fantasy team. Yeah, it was a good week to Captain Sergio Rivera, Everybody, <clears throat> just saying. <laughs> anyway, but we're not here to talk about that. 
unfortunately, as much as I could. We're here to talk about uh, we're here to talk about week twenty three and the news therein in USL. Um, and I suppose we'll start with the with the news as we want to do. Um, let's see here. A couple of signings. I guess we'll start with the signings. Um, Chris Tierpak signs for Nashville, which is a, which is a really solid one. Um, he was one of the guys with Miami FC two. Um, and then I, I, I don't think he was contracted with them after this year. So he joined up with, with Nashville, which is a great get for, for Nashville. Um, and it seems to be a good influx of guys actually leaving Miami FC two and joining USL for, for at least the end of this year. So, um, guys, we've seen tier pack before with San Antonio. Now he's in, um, a good spot with, you know, play a probable playoff team in Nashville. And, uh, you know, might be a, an offensive spark for them. Any any thoughts on Tier Pack? A coming back to USL and then and then B joining with Nashville. Good for Nashville. It was a smart <laughs> signing too. Um, yeah, they need. I think I think Nashville's just like on the hunt for anyone with any kind of offense that can be a spark. And he's he's the kind of guy that can be a spark on any team, even a team as as offensively challenged as Nashville can be, or uh, Asheville, Nashville. Either way. <laughs> no, it's definitely offense is definitely something that Nashville needs this year. I've can I know only twice a three 0 victory over Atlanta United two and a three one victory over Penn FC have they scored more than two goals in a match. And even in their just recent fixtures, it has just been I mean, they had a two 0 result over Ottawa on August tenth, but since then it's just been either one goal or or they've been shut out, including that rather embarrassing one against Toronto FC two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying um, to look up whether he played in that zero-zero draw for Nashville and Louisville. I'll, maybe we can cover that when we do the actual game. I'll have it ready by yeah. then. Yeah, well, and, and it was funny because I don't know if you guys remember, like the beginning of the season when it was announced that he was moving to Miami. Um, it was kind of funny just because we were all like, "Oh, Paul Dalglish was was the coach there. Like he might be trying to do a weird like San Anto- like a like a San Antonio or like Austin Aztecs kind of thing." And we kind of wondered if he was going to stay in, um, I guess, what MPSL with Miami, and uh, he certainly did not. So um, it'll be cool just because you know he was out in the Western Conference, and it'll be interesting to see how the the Eastern Conference teams that Nashville have remaining um, react to a guy like Chris Tierpak that they might not know a whole lot about. Um, play Bethlehem next. Yeah. Oh, you'll get a front row seat, buddy. Yeah, and I get a front row seat for. Uh, okay, I get a front row seat for Tier Pack, and then that Brandon Allen guy gets to come back to, uh, to the Lehigh Valley. <laughs> yes. Which, mm, we'll see how that goes. Mm, it's a it's a tasty story. Yeah, it'll be a fun one. It'll be a fun one. Although uh, Bethlehem have to get through Ottawa here, which is. We'll talk about it. Uh, other other uh, other signing here. Uh, Dante Marini returns to the Charleston Battery, which is a good move for them. Um, I think they were unlucky recently to to not pick up more points. But you know, it's we've seen a lot. It's a lot of teams this week that are making kind of these weird, you know, like mid season moves, um, and they all look like they could have pretty big promise for sure. And then uh, the other. Two and I guess a third now. Brian, we'll let you talk about Elliot Collier and, and Diego Campos, who join on loan from uh, Tulsa Roughneck affiliate club, the Chicago Fire. Yeah, both of them come in um, with 
a lot of question marks, uh, I guess, because initially uh, I, I don't think a lot of people saw the loan actually happening. Uh, Collier is the one guy I'm looking forward to seeing the most. And I actually got to see him on Wednesday in person. He played from about the 85th minute on. Um, he is like 6'4". Nice. Um, and, uh, you know, young college product that I think that – and I think it was – if I'm not mistaken, there were a lot of Chicago Fire fans that weren't happy that Campos uh, got moved because they mm. said that he had a lot of potential too. But I'm excited to see Cole a year because Indy's best product up top was always Justin Braun because he was so tall and he could be used as a great target man. And I think Cole a year brings that same, um, you know, attack power, speed, but he also has got the ability to be 6'4 and just hit things with his head mm-hmm. so um i think both guys are gonna get some game time i expect probably at least collier to be in this game on wednesday against tfc uh two um if not campos i don't think he's been in the 18 yet either but uh, i expect b- both of them to get uh playing time this week can you talk about what the striker situation was before he came in? Does like a six four guy really fit the system? It sounds like you were kind of hinting at that. That maybe yeah. So they Indy changes their formation during games, which is not a shocking thing for any team. I feel like every team does that at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but their best time has been when and and it's. Justin Braun was a guy that when he came into the team, when the team was still in the North American Soccer League in 2016, or no, he came in 2015. It's one of a long years. day. One of those years. When he came in, I was a little confused. I was like, oh, it's like crummy, like XMLS guy coming in. But Braun's biggest ability was always to link the midfield to the attack, and he was always able to bring everybody into the play that if he couldn't score, he somebody's going to get in there. And with the fact that they're playing occasionally, Rennie's playing Sod and both Sod and McInerney on the wings sometimes to bring them in from the outside. Mm-hmm. I think Collier might find himself up top by himself a little bit more because he's going to be able to be that big, strong target man that can hold up play, let everybody come up and attacking um, and just kind of fill the need that when Indy was playing their best offense, it was because they had that big attacking target man up top. A good decoy that can perhaps score when they need it. Yeah. Not somebody you're going to put the ball on every time and expect him to score, but he's going to be the guy that's probably going to lead to a lot of those attacking plays. Mm. Very cool. Um, And then I guess the two pieces of news that I, that I want to talk about, next and then the big one that I don't really want to talk about but not for hmm. you know personal reasons or anything um Tom Stone is the first I hope it's Stone we're going to go with Stone if we can just stay on brand with me there and just say it's Tom Stone that'd be great <laughs> uh is your uh, is your Birmingham Legion FC head coach um crew scout and then he has a lot of uh assistant and intern jobs I'm pretty sure we brought him up uh, last week now that I think about it um, when I was listening to the podcast back after not being on it. So, um, yeah, anyone with any other, did anyone do any digging with, with Sone or anything like that? Or are we just kind of okay with, with moving on from there? Not I'd much. Love a good team to vote around Chandler Hoffman. Yeah. yeah. 
Which isn't bad. That's fine. I think the worry I have here is that um, when St. Louis was maybe looking for new coaches, I was trying to dig around for like other St. Louis guys that could take over mm. the job, you know? And mm. most St. Louis coaches are like assistants in different places. One, mm-hmm. of, one of them, I don't know if he's still there, to be honest with you, um, was a union assistant. Is it Sorber? Mike Sorber? Yeah, Mike Sorber. He's okay. out in L.A. now. Okay, you're right. Yep. Okay. So anyway, he was one that I thought might be one Sorber, mm-hmm. and there's another one somewhere else too. Um, I'm yeah. sorry, I have no details, but basically, I asked around a lot, and guys were like, "No, he's not a head coach kind of guy. He's a really good assistant." Mm-hmm. And people mm-hmm. said that about Precky too. Interestingly enough, that he's sure. a, a much better assistant than he is a head coach, and I 100% believe that. And so that's something to watch: is um, can he take care of the you know, assistants are often good at like leading practice and encouraging guys and pushing people, but not necessarily good man managers, people managers. So mm-hmm. that's something to watch there, perhaps in in my experience so far. But you know, without having tons of details, that's that's all I got. Fair enough. Um, and on the other news, and I, I mean, we could be here all night talking about it <laughs> if we really wanted to, but I don't. I don't want to be here all night talking about it. Um, so. Uh, pre-courts, is it Sports Ventures? Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. PSV, I didn't want to just say PSV without naming what it was. Pre-courts, Sports Ventures um, got their vote for the land in, in Austin, Texas, and their vote came back positively for pre-court soccer ventures. I don't remember what it passed. Was it 5-3? 7-4. 7-4. Okay. 7 yes, 4 now. So the land in Austin, Texas for a stadium, which is all this is for now, is a go. Now, what people are concerned about, and, and I'll let Ryan talk about it ad nauseum because he is the Columbus crew fan out of us here. Um, people are concerned that that land in a soccer stadium could, and, and granted, they might drag this, well, they will drag this out in court for as long as they possibly can to try to make it not worth um, Anthony Precourt's time. But what people are concerned about is that he's going to get this land for the stadium and he's going to move the Columbus crew straight into this this new park. Um, prefacing that it's not going to be that easy and that this isn't going to be something that happens if, if it happens tomorrow or six months from now or probably even three years from now. I think it's going to take at least four. Um, but it's a weird situation to be in. Um, I'll also say I think it's strange that for a while, no one thought this was a thing and that we're, we're raising so much hell about it. And I understand there's a, a large fan base in Columbus, but if you look at the other four, three or four major sports in this country, all of them have moved teams at some point. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I, the, the ones that stick out in my mind are mostly hockey related for whatever reason, I think because it happens a lot there. Um, but, you know, an example, the Winnipeg Jets become the Phoenix Coyotes, become the... Arizona Coyotes. And then you have the Atlanta Thrashers become the Winnipeg Jets again. So, you know, a lot of movement up and down. Hartford Whalers become the Carolina Hurricanes is another one. There's a ton of movement in hockey. Um, And it sucks every time this happens. But it happens. And I, I know that's not a very popular thing for me to say and things like that. But I mean, at this point, other than a lot of legal fees, there's not a whole lot stopping this from from happening. And I know... There's a ton of public backlash, and that's great, and that's fine, and I'm glad, and people should be angry at Anthony Precourt, but he clearly doesn't care now for all the crocodile tears. <laughs> um, and I don't think he's going to care you know, when he wakes up Wednesday morning and sees a bunch more people on Twitter are mad about it. Ryan, feel free to yell at me. <laughs> um, 
because you know you're in a different spot than I am in terms of your team that you really like is potentially moving and not existing in the in the form that it's in right now. But uh, you know, I'll let you have your your say. When you were naming off the hockey teams, the one move I was always thinking of was the Supersonics moving to Oklahoma City. Yeah. Well, that's always still an accepted part. It does seem like the Supersonics will possibly get their team back. Maybe. Again, maybe if they build that stadium down. And a hockey team, come to think of it. Yeah. That. I mean, there was also <laughs> there was also the Indianapolis Colts move from Baltimore. Yeah, that one. The Which there are still a contingency of people in Baltimore that are very pissed. Can I take you guys back to uh, good old 2016? You certainly may. Uh, St. Louis Rams go back to L.A. Rams. That's a, hey. that's a big deal. It's a big deal. As well as the Chargers moving to L.A. And now we have the Raiders moving to Las Vegas. So right. there's tons of precedent here. Lots of it. Kev, I'm sure you have a bunch of teams that have moved in some capacity. Uh, Were you no. Moved some? no? Okay. I mean, I... It's all the same stuff you guys do because I don't follow football. And oh, I, used fair. Follow, I used to follow hockey, but my life is pretty much work and soccer right now. <laughs> That's fair. Well, and you know that that booming hockey market up there in Portland, Oregon. Are the, we do, the win, we do have the Winter Hawks, and they're actually That's true. they're some some seasons are off seasons, some seasons are really good. Um, I think they had won almost won the Memorial Cup like a couple of years ago, so they're fair pretty enough. popular. Anyway. Brian, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think, or at least, it sounds like uh, with Austin, they'll get drawn into a long legal battle with mm. the state of Ohio and the Modell law because the current um, attorney general has said that they will continue to fight yeah. this. It was interesting because earlier today, the um, crew team or front office actually released emails to season ticket holders talking about that doing auto renewals for September, yet they can't guarantee the team would play in the state in Moffray, but fans would get their refunds if they were to move. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't know where they could play in Austin. UT has already said no to their football stadium. The soccer stadium isn't that good, and it would be a move backwards to go to a minor mm-hmm. league ballpark, mm-hmm. and you can't even do alcohol in a high school stadium, so it sounds like they do lame duck seasons in Columbus. Yeah. And just also, it's a, a, another just kind of bad precedent for the league. I mean, yes, we saw San Jose, the original Earthquakes, moved to Houston, but San Jose yeah. got their team back there's no guarantee Columbus is going to get their team back. I think I mm. can see a future where there would be an Austin, there would no longer be a Columbus. They'll say, oh, Cincinnati's there. It's just as good. I could mm. also see down the line you with the new USL Chicago building up that they'd get into MLS in a few years, and the Fire would then be playing elsewhere, say Detroit, and then Colorado could be next. But overall, I think the reason I put this into the show notes was to talk about how this impacts the Austin Bold because they said they're going to move forward even if MLS comes into town. Yeah. So you've got a, a, a USL side brand new with a god awful name. You do. And, I forget and, their names. And it's a bold it name. It is a very bold name, Brian. It's boldly awful. They've boldly yep. gone where no one has gone before because no one's. There's a reason no one's gone there before. Mm. But so you've got this, and, and I just don't understand how they would be able to compete if if the MLS side moved there. And yes, there's precedence for moving sports teams around. But my big thing for keeping the Columbus Crew where they are at mm. is that they're a founding member of MLS. Yeah. They're an original 96 team. Yep. They've been there. The map, the map free stadium is the first soccer specific stadium in the United States. 
you know, like they, they helped start what we have now. And to move that, I feel, doesn't just cheat the fans and the supporters in Columbus, who are really nice, by the way, have to say. Um, it, it cheats the, 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 the history of the league itself, really. And yes, the, he owns a team, he can do whatever, I can surely be upset and hate it, and I can't do anything to stop him because I'm all the way over in Portland anyway. But it's like you're a dick pulling yeah. a dick move, bro. Yeah. <laughs> He's um, breaking the one rule of the USL, which is why we'll never have Anthony Precourt on. Well, I mean, that's not the only reason, but we'll say <laughs> it's the only reason. He's breaking the one rule that we have at the USL show, and that's don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. And he's being yeah. a massive dick and coming from me. I mean, it's really difficult to do. Um, <laughs> in the hockey terms, this is like moving an original six franchise. This is like yeah. taking the Detroit Red Wings and putting them in Quebec City or Seattle. Exactly. So if you guys don't mind me hopping on a soapbox real quick, please. Because I, so I watched the, cause I was talking to Ryan the entire time I was doing it. I watched the entire city council meeting. I am so sorry. Um, oh boy, trust me. Uh, I even for I'm impressed that I pushed whatever term that they were beating over uh, 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 some kind of development that they just kept saying over and over and over yeah. again. But uh, so full disclaimer, um, I am an AFC Wimbledon fan, which kind of fits this mold because AFC Wimbledon was originally uh, Wimbledon FC, and they moved from Wimbledon to Milton Keys and became became the MK Dons and AFC Wimbledon was birthed from the ashes of that team that moved. The recently relegated MK Dons, by the way. Yeah. Oh, uh, trust me. I, I'm very happy oh, yeah. about that. Uh, gaps here. But um, for me, cause I kind of went on a whole, I, I went on like a three tweet rant mm-hmm. right after they voted that. And for me, and the reason I got into soccer was because I've been, I'm, you know, a football fan. I'm a basketball fan. I Baseball was the first sport I really learned to follow mm-hmm. uh, growing up. And I just, in my later teens, early 20s, I really got into soccer. Mm-hmm. And the thing that got me into soccer was the fact that it's so community driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a big thing for me when I look at, and, and not that we need to, but when I look at like the European culture in the European culture around the sport, the teams are associated with their community. And I think that's the thing that bugs me the most about Columbus moving is the fact that I'm like, this isn't a thing that happens in this country with the sport. Like, you know, teams in the NFL, NBA, all that moving that's fine and dandy, but it this doesn't happen in this sport. It's not supposed to happen in this sport. And I think mm. that's the biggest thing that mm. people have been griping about is the fact that, you know, it's kind of, unfortunately, it's going to set a big precedent. And I got poo-pooed yes. by a lot of Chicago Fire fans on Twitter by even mentioning it. But I'm sorry, Chicago Fire fans, Rapid fans, and I, I, I forget who had mentioned it already. You need to be on the lookout because yeah. especially Chicago fans with yep. what everything that they're dealing with their supporters and the front Shit. office right now, if this happens with one team, 
it's going to happen with another team. And I think Major League Soccer, even though this is the USL show, I think MLS is just setting a weird precedent when they're starting yeah. to care, care more about the dollar amount that they're making every week yeah. and every month opposed to everything else. And that's easy for me to say sitting sure. in a house that I very recently just bought uh, out of a loan <laughs> that I hope I never have to completely pay back, but it's just completely <laughs> ludicrous because I'm like, I look, I understand money makes the world go round, but you yeah. also have people that care about these teams that week in and week out, put time to make TFOs and everything else. So I just, and, and, and they're, they're people that you aren't getting back. I think is the biggest thing. Oh, I blocked MLS on Twitter out of spite. Fair enough. <laughs> um, got him. Um, <laughs> really showed them, Brian. Oh, it made um, me feel better. And now my personal listen, account still yeah, has them. But yeah, the my effect is totally fine. And and I, you listen, you have every right in the world to do that. No, but I think you know, Ryan, you hit on a point. I think the MLS just views Ohio as one market, right? Hmm. And it shouldn't like, be why the NFL oh, it, views it as two markets. Major League Baseball views it as two yeah, markets. Yeah, why yeah. is it this one particular sport that they can't support mm. two teams? You yeah. know, I mean, and you could put that in like why does Texas or, or is they have Dallas and Houston? But I would argue San Antonio deserves an MLS team before Austin deserves one. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It's- um. Go for it, Phil. Sorry, it, it, it's just this weird struggle, and and this is something that I came to terms with um, a long time ago because of the the Rams, and you know I wasn't a huge NFL fan, but I was still really upset with with Kroenke and all that that went down there, and you know the MLS failure here um, was no small part of of being screwed over by a, a, a major league, and MLS is really falling right in line with that, and and yeah. the point I wanted to make is that is that sports are funny because it is it is romanticized like crazy by all of us. Right. Yes. And and not just yes. like media, but like people romanticize the hell out of sports and sports fans. We're very bad at it too, to be fair. Yeah, we are a hundred percent. But I mean, that's what makes it so great. But the problem mm-hmm. is we marry this romanticism with capitalism and, and the two do not mix like not mm. at all. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be a super capitalistic league, like all American sports are, and and perhaps need to be I don't know I don't know um, but if you put those things together there's going to be these problems and there's going to be a lot of wave effects after that yep. which which is like we're dealing with NASL wave effects right yep. now NISA wave yep. effects you know yep. it it is it is countrywide in so many different ways a lot of it due to certain aspects of capitalism and and that's why like romanticism isn't dead in in Germany you know i mean like bundesliga is so mm-hmm. fucking romantic and i love it and or i love you look it. at um like even like the vanorama this is way off topic the vanorama league the the fifth tier of english soccer and like they get like no one, not no one but, but no one goes to those games but like they're all there because they want to be there, and I and I think that's a part of why USL, um, especially in like the modern era of 2016 when it kind of really started to kick off, that's why we all got really attached to it is because you had to really care to be here. Mm-hmm. And I'll say yeah, I'll so. give I'll give us all a faux pas right this second right now on okay, the USL show, yeah. and that is uh, who doesn't love Detroit City FC and who doesn't love. Uh, Ch- chattanooga fc you know like what right. they're doing yeah. oh is, i love both incredible i mean especially detroit city i love them a lot yeah but yeah you're right you're case right. in point 
it's sneaking down into USL a little bit. And I, and I know BGN and perhaps us, we're going to touch on that. And we're going to try to have a, a nice conversation about that in the future. So maybe that's something to look forward to. Yeah. Stay tuned guys. Um, yeah, there was, on. there was soccer this week. Hey, there was well, soccer. But we have games was, to talk about. Don't there we? Was games that were played. We do. We have plenty of games to talk about and, by well, God, we're going to do, do it. That. Hey, guess yeah. what I'm going to do? While we're talking What's about that, games, Kevin? I'm going yeah. out with my coworkers and getting a drink. Hey. So depending on how long this takes, I might be drinking by the time we're done with this. <laughs> Great. <laughs> were they Good all laughing know. in the background when you just said yeah, that? Yeah, Kev, what the hell? Do that. Uh, yes, because I'm a jokester. What are you talking about? <laughs> anyway. Strange. Soccer games happen. Brian, um, Indy 11-3, North Carolina FC 2, in a game that I tried to watch. Okay. And oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The title of tonight's show is not a uh, is not a reference to a Robin Thicke song. It's a reference to me going insane trying to watch this soccer match on a football field. <laughs> oh, that makes more sense now. Yeah. Hey, look at that. I like Hi, it. Um, okay. So let me just first <laughs> off by saying yeah. yes. I know there were football lines on that field. Mm. Um, no, they're not going away. <laughs> no. Uh, it, I it could is an unfortunate part an of American hour. soccer. It is. I, I could spend an hour talking to you about the uh, uh, stupidity of everything sure. involved with that. Sure. Um, or you could just read your article on BGN.FM. Oh, plug. It's a good one. Um, but... It's yeah. I'm hoping next year, if the team is playing in Lucas oil stadium, they have a little bit more of an agreeable deal with that because I even, I tried to write it, but I would even have been okay with the football lines. If the soccer lines were a little bit more apparent. Um, and I sent an email out to the team and I was like, Hey, who does that? Like, because the, the stadium itself is owned and run by the city of Indianapolis. Um, and maintained and everything else. And there's an article in the Indy Star that shows you that uh, the Indianapolis Colts are getting buku bucks to play in that stadium. Um, mm-hmm. But there was no confirmation. Somebody said, I, I've, somebody told me that um, the city actually does the lines on the field and the team wasn't mm-hmm. happy about it. So they're going to try to make sure the lines are more visible yeah. on Wednesday. But I'm like, that to me was probably the biggest complaint because whether you uh, like the football lines on the field are one thing and those aren't going away. Those are permanent, especially considering that they're playing right now in that stadium. Um, If they had just made a little bit more of an effort. Yeah. Second coat. All you need. (laughs) Uh, Like, honestly, how was the actual? uh, Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think you were about to ask me. The game was great. Um, the first half was probably, right? Oh yeah. The first half was probably the prettiest attacking soccer I've seen Indy play all year. Um, because they would get control of the ball and it was like just watching, I don't know, watching a kickoff and the guy that's running down the field just will not let go of the ball. Like it was just, it was incredible to see how focused and organized they were. And then the second half happened. Um, and they forgot everything that happened in the first half. Mm. And they forgot how to control the ball. And they forgot how to, you know, focus attacks. And they got extremely lucky. Uh, Juan Guerra scoring that third goal in like the 89th mm. minute got extremely lucky. Um, so that's 
I think you guys have said it on the show before. Indy is a bottom half playoff team. Um, and that performance was that result was something they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, even with games in hand, they needed that three points. But that performance was all the more like understanding that you need that they are not ready to push up into the top four. Uh, next match of the um, of the week: Ottawa two, Richmond nil. Carl Hayworth with a goal in the eighth minute. Tony Taylor with one on the eighty fourth. Um, yeah, Ottawa get out possessed, crazy high, sixty eight to thirty one. Um, concede twenty fouls to Richmond's fourteen. Um, a really sloppy game, but Ottawa get to get the three points, which they. Another team that really, and I've said this like every week for the past month, but they needed a win here, um, and they and they got it for sure. Ryan, anything about this one? It was just a desperate or a win that Ottawa desperately needed to get, and especially it was crucial to get up against a um, really poor Richmond Kickers team as of mm-hmm. that match. But it was something that I think Ottawa definitely deserved to get three points from there, and it puts them in a better spot. And especially yeah. considering where they started the season at. Yeah, seriously, they were really. Good. <laughs> I looked at that the other, uh, the other, I guess a week ago. About for my my article that went up on BGN written that looks really funny and kind of outdated now. Um, but man, they started out so bad to start the season, and you wonder if they would have gotten another point or two if they wouldn't be a lot more comfortable right now. But yep, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I hate that Phil, this is the last uh, yeah. year of them in USL, and that's that's what happened. I hate that. I wish I wish we could have had one more yeah, year with them yeah. before they left. Um, I mean, they're going to be a big fish in a in a weird pond. I don't want to say a small <laughs> one. weird pond. I like it. I just I just know nothing about it, but I think they're going to be probably the best team in the Canadian Premiership because out of all the other big teams right now in Canada, none of them are going to drop. I hope you're right. No, 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 no. Uh, the no only more. other one I can even know of that's going to the Canadian Premier League Edmonton. be Edmonton. And but they, did they? Yeah, they weren't that great. <laughs> well, but I mean, did they even play this year? Like, because the team? No, they didn't. The team that's going to be in Calgary is just the Foothills U twenty three team. That did, I think. I, I'm trying. I to heard that again. Yay, Americans! We don't really know. Um, but I, I think that's what that's I heard. Like so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you, Brian, you and I are close. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I thought I heard that, so I don't know. But uh, like I said, Ottawa is going to be a big fish in a very strangely shaped pond. So we'll, we'll see how that goes for him. I would love to keep him in USL, but it is what it is. Uh, Phil, you guys scored twice really early and then we're like, we're good. Yeah. And you uh, you beat Sacramento Republic of all people doing that, so that's nice. Exactly. I mean, the stats show it too because we got we got up early in the fifth and seventh minute with two goals, um, and um, then after the first half, they sat back, and then Pulis kind of made it, um, kind of sealed the sitting back with like adding a defender for. An attacker, and then he started putting more attackers on. So after the the game was over, he said the first half was amazing, and then the second yeah. half was not good. And so it was kind of mixed messages there between what you know the message he sent to the fans and perhaps even the players by making that that um, 
you know, that substitution. And then interesting yeah. what he said after. I think it was just a learning experience. But the main thing to pull out of this is that St. Louis was, this was their fourth win in a row. And the, the prior three Huge. were against teams that weren't like, you can't be too excited about, you know, Seattle, Vegas, yeah. uh, someone else. But but this one is real, you know, like Sack looked a little dead in the first half and Pony mm-hmm. called it that they're dead in the first five minutes of every game. And look at the goals, fifth and seventh minute of the first half. Uh, but there were flashes of like, Sack looks unstoppable and somehow... St. Louis did stop them and only let up one goal, even though they yeah. sat back like crazy. You know, the 62% to 37% um, possession yeah. shows that. So, um, you know, let's see what St. Louis does. We'll talk about Fresno a second, and I'll, I'll expand on that. Orange County 3, Las Vegas 1. Um, you could tell me that Thomas and Evoldson should be player of the year this year, and I wouldn't give you too much hell over it, Mm-mm. if I'm honest. Um. And then Michael Seaton getting two more in the 29th and the 65th. Matt Todd, Vegas. Only problem here for Orange County, Andre Rolls gets a red card. Um, handball outside of the penalty area. I actually saw this and laughed. Um, so a really bad red card, but nothing that's going to give him a multiple game suspension. So, you know, he'll miss his, what, one? Um, and then he'll be he'll be back, I'm sure. Um, seven unbeaten. Timbers too. What's that? He'll miss the match against Portland Timbers, too, on okay. Wednesday. So they'd rather have him than not against Portland, who can score pretty much at will. Um, but maybe they well, can get him into a shootout. Sometimes they can score. I, I think, yes, we'll go with that. I mean, it's <laughs> rare they've been shut out, but they have been shut out. Right. Yeah. Um, seven match unbeaten for Orange County. They're in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, and I love what you said about Anna Volson, and I feel like the only argument against him being an MVP is that they are very much like a team effort sort of thing. And yeah. I think Pony posted, you know, this, this the argument over of Lasso over uh, Ledesma, and mm. he posted stats that were like really interesting. It was like Ledesma versus um, who's the Phoenix winger? I'm blanking right now. Asante. Asante, thank you. And and the, yep, the stats are super close, but Asante yeah. does more for his team versus Ledesma. Yes. The other yes. people contribute a little more. So that was his argument. Yeah. And so I'd say similar thing for Anna Boldson is that OC is just full of so many good players that you can't give it just yeah. to him. Yeah. Kev, speaking of the Timbers, the Portland Timbers, the smaller Timbers. Yep. Uh, 2-1 over San Antonio. Um, Foster Langsdorf really just kind of kicks it a bunch of people and the ball happened to be there and he gets Ben Renzo Zambrano gets the second for you guys. Um, Omar Gordon open scoring for San Antonio, but they could not hang on. So Kev for a team that can kind of score at will when they want to, maybe, which is a, a ringing endorsement of your offensive <laughs> prowess. Um, what do you think of this one? Uh, it was actually a surprise. Um, I had figured like, so I had talked with some San Antonio people, um, a podcast or somebody over there asked me some questions. My prediction was uh, 3-1, San Antonio win. Okay. Now, then Portland goes, or T2 goes and beats, gets a gets a win, and I'm like, or, or maybe a draw, I can't remember. In the previous match, I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know what, we've never beaten San Antonio before, so probably won't start now. Um, I'll go with, you know, maybe a draw. 1-1 draw, 2-2 draw, I can't remember. And uh, But no, hey, you know, Foster Langsdorf decided, hey, he's going to start scoring goals again, so that's great. And uh, and we won 2-1. Uh, 
which was fantastic because the defense has been leaking goals like a sieve. Um, so it's good that they kind of shorted up at least enough to get all three points. Um, very vital three points. You know, getting the points against um, Smoke Park Rangers and now San Antonio. Um, you know, they're winning those games that are against the people that are near them in the standings. Yeah, for sure. Always nice to get those kind of surprise wins, um, especially when you're kind of falling out of the playoffs and then you, you get right back in with a win over San Antonio. So big win there for Portland. Guys, I don't want to. All right. <laughs> Can you talk about a game that wasn't actually on? Yeah. So on the by internet? all accounts and the league said that it happened and. You know, I, I, I knew the guys in Bethlehem. I had a, you feel any better? This will be the first time I'll ever give you sympathy on anything. Thank you. Um, I've been victim of this too. Have you? You know, the guys had a bunch of days off for travel and things like that, and you know, so like it, it makes sense that it happened. And you know, they were like, "Oh, hey, we're not going to be around on Wednesday or whatever." And you know, trying to set up an interview with uh, with Prosper Chaluya last week was a little difficult because of this game that happened in Toronto midweek. Um. To quote Brendan Burke after they played uh, the game before this, when I asked him, hey, it's you know kind of weird for you guys to play neutral site, especially in, in a really tightly packed schedule, he uh, he said something along the lines of, you know, I, I don't know whose bright idea it was to do this. <laughs> and coach, you're, you're dead on. So uh, to get the game out of the way, Bethlehem scored twice, allegedly in the second half, allegedly, and score uh, two goals and win 2 nothing against Toronto FC2, allegedly, uh, with alleged goals by Misha. Gene Galina and Aiden Apodaca, which is good for those guys. I'm actually going to see them on Thursday, so I'll have to ask them how those happened and live tweet it. Um, <laughs> just you know, just to get facts right and see if it's possible. If they tell me they biked it from from you know, Aiden did have, have a game against know, Toronto and Rochester where this happened too. So okay, now for people being like, how did this happen? Uh, let's explain a little bit. So when the the Rochester Rhinos uh, rest in peace preemptively. Um, we're like, hey, we uh, we're not going to play next year. The stadium that they played in was, in fact, called Capelli Stadium, named after um, Capelli Sports, which own a bunch of youth clubs in in New Jersey, and they were not owners, but kind of owners of the then Harrisburg City Islanders. Rest in peace. You will not be forgotten. They also helped or were owners of Hammerheads at one point, right? So, and they were they were a league sponsor. And so I understand, like, wanting to make your league sponsors happy. Um, what's funny is you literally had, like, six months to tell these guys, hey, here's what we need from you, which is a video feed. And, like, maybe one that doesn't look terrible. So we can put it on, you know, at the time probably, so, so we can put it on our YouTube page, and then, you know, so ESPN can use it to put it on ESPN+. Plus. That's fine. It doesn't happen, right? And it's really s- stupid because you shouldn't be bending over this far backwards for a team that doesn't exist right now and might not exist again to play four stadiums in a, in a, in a, in a town that no one cares about where a, no one's going to show up to this game. Cause it's not the Rochester Ryan knows and B the teams hate it because it's extra track. Also the stadium's not even called Capelli stadium anymore. It's for like a local car dealership. So lose, lose, lose. Hmm. This was so dumb. And thank God it was Bethlehem and Toronto FC too, so I knew what the outcome was going to be before the game started. Isn't this basically so that they hold on to their franchise rights? Yeah, whatever. 
I think that's all it is. You, if anyone has listen, to take you, the hit, then Toronto 2 is the perfect team. It's not like they have They're the closest anyway. team, but that doesn't mean you should punish other teams by making them travel up there to keep your stupid franchise right. It's hard well, to punish a team can, that has no attendance. What confuses right. me more about this was the fact that so two of the games there have not been streamed. They had, I think, Pittsburgh brought down... I would imagine. TV crew down yeah. there, or somebody did. Yeah brought their TV crew down there and they did a broadcast down there. So I'm like, Mm. well, and it's more in the Bethlehem like mindset. I'm like, how could you not bring down somebody? Cause that's at least a drivable distance. So I guess it would have fell to them, but like, you're not going to force any station. I don't care who it is to go through customs. Allegedly. Like we don't know if they were given that option. (laughs) Right. Probably not. Right. Because, listen, you're not going to make a whole TV crew and everything from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, go through customs to stream a game. I don't know if there's different rights and regulations that you have if you're trying to broadcast something, if you're a Canadian television station or whatever in the United States, because there probably are. So it's it's a whole mess. And, you know, we're in an age where USL D3 is going to announce their remaining four franchises by the end of September, they said, which is about a month. If one of those isn't the Rochester Rhinos, the Rhinos are dead. It's true. Dead. Yep. Dead. That's the most important point. So this point was of the so pointless. There. Yep. And I don't care if the Rhinos come back. This is really stupid, and their ownership are are fools, making mistakes. It's just dumb. You don't do this much for people that weren't drawing that much when they were around. If they get into D three, though, we take it all back because that's no, preferable. not really. I, it's preferable. <laughs> I I'd rather them survive in the same way that I want Columbia. I would rather the team survive, but I don't think you have to do this to to make that happen. I don't know. That's a hell of a lot. Look, I don't think the league has to do this to make the franchise remain a franchise. It might be worth it, pal. Seven million dollars to get an expansion. I I don't think they're getting seven million dollars. You don't give a team. Oh, you have an open invitation to come back and then make them pay seven million dollars. You just don't. Might be right. Might be right. Anyway. Brian, you guys played again in a nil-nil draw against Ottawa, which probably didn't feel great after the whole win against North Carolina thing. Uh, so, yeah, Indy has a really, really, really tough time when they change formations midweek, and the four-three-three that they played. I, thought, I honestly thought you were going to say match, and I was like, "Wait, you just said you do that all the time." <laughs> that sounds problematic. Um, they the formation that they played is actually something that when Martin Rennie got hired in January, um, that was what I was led to believe to be their formation was a four three three. So um, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it more if they get a victory on Wednesday against Toronto, um, yeah. because it's a point. And you're at least kind of firming yourself up. But the key thing that Indy needs to keep up is they need to beat teams that they should be beating. And I'm sorry, North Carolina, you were a team that Indy should have been be- been able to beat. Yeah. I'm sorry, Toronto FC2, you're a team that Indy should be able to beat. Will they beat you? Eh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I think this was a game that was just a product of the fact that they were playing... Um, on the road in another country, they were having to heavily rotate since they played Wednesday, and then they're playing this coming Wednesday. So, I I didn't I wasn't too salty about it. And 
I feel bad because every time I um, go to like intro or to, to bring up an Ottawa match, I always feel like I'm like, oh, hey, why didn't this team beat Ottawa? And like not a lot of people are doing that right now. Yeah, yeah. they're just like, – Ottawa seems just good enough to really be a pain for a team that should be beating them. Like Cincy, if, if, if Ottawa gets eight seeds, Cincy gets one seed, it's going to be sloppy. Yeah, like that's going to be a chippy game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. So, um, I I definitely like was like if I was the other teams in this playoff bubble, I'm really happy that this match ended the way it did, and I'm actually really happy the next two matches in the East ended the way they did. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's Ottawa's a good team, and they're doing pretty much what they have to to, to definitely stay in the hunt until the end of the year. Which there's some there's some good games for them coming up. So. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned North Carolina. North Carolina's yep. been on a good run, and they play kind of, you know, they pass the ball a lot, at least. And yep. so that could pay off this late late in the season. You're seeing teams yep. putting the attack together right now. So. Yeah. Uh, next match, Pittsburgh nil, Charlotte nil. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's weird. It's really weird. I don't know. Char- I, Charlotte's like, weird. Why? Why is it weird? Charlotte's weird. Because you would expect Phil, uh, Pittsburgh to score, or well, like so. Charlotte's really been on the downswing, yeah, lately. True, and like have a fair bit of injuries, and their defense is really slow. And I feel like Pittsburgh has a lot of speed in the attack, and I would expect them, especially if they had seventy-two percent of the ball and thirteen shots, to a get more shots than three on target, um, and b to come out with a win like decently easily here, especially at home. So I don't know what really happened. Um, I think the weirdness is more in Charlotte than it is in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's yeah, pretty steady but- in what they do and how they do it. Um, Charlotte will sometimes look like world beaters, and then sometimes they'll just look like the, they could lose to Toronto. FC2. I I don't see how you get 27% of the ball and and get anything out of this. Well, yeah. <laughs> like that's one that. where the stats I'm like that's awful and then I'm like but they tied so it can't be that bad Ryan is th- is there anything here that explains why Charlotte got a point like at all sure I mean from Pittsburgh this is the eighth time this year that they failed to score I mean they had 72% possession they dominated that shot battle 13-5 and 13-3-1 and in shots on target I mean Charlotte had 36 clearances so maybe they just came into this match and decided we are just going to bunker and play for this nil-nil result. I mean, that's really all most teams can do with Lily Ball, just that they'll try and play defensively and beat them at their own game. I mean, even props to Pittsburgh, who only recorded three fouls all match. I mean, I can't think of much else that Pittsburgh did everything right. It just didn't translate to goals. I think it's a great strategy against Pittsburgh, and I, I'm interested to see if it happens more often because, you know, I was thinking that while you were talking is that what does – I don't know if Lily wants the ball that much. You know what I mean? And you see it in World Cups. You see it in yeah. in FA Cup matches. You know, like guys will just defend against some of the best teams in the world, and they just aren't able to, and, to figure it out. And a really good point that they made after the um – when they had against Toronto FC two, that was that was a one nothing result for the Hounds. The guys over at Mongols said, "You know, are we playing down the teams now?" I don't think so. 
Uh, but I can believe it, man. Those results against teams that aren't really close to them are, are weird and not good. Mm. Like a 1-0 for that team against Toronto FC, three points, which is great, but it's not a convincing win. And a 0-0 against you know Charlotte at home, not great. So I don't, I don't know. It, does it matter if you play down the teams when you're in the playoffs? No, because they're teams that are right around you and that you're going to take seriously. Yeah. But man, wouldn't it be nice to get that, you know, that first seed or really lock down second or anything like that? So, you know, or even just for momentum's sake, to just be crushing everybody before you get there. Who knows? Uh, next match, it was a. If you like penalty kicks, go watch this one back on ESPN Plus. Free plug. <laughs> um, Richmond three, Penn FC two. Um, Someone I stand Brown gets the second, Fred Sekiri getting the third in the 80th. Penn get both theirs on penalty kicks. Lucky and Kasana in the 24th and Walter Ramirez in the 54th. Um, Richmond hadn't scored for, uh, or sorry, hadn't won in seven, which good for them here, um, which this basically knocks Penn FC out of the playoffs, uh, out of the playoff hunt, I think. Uh, but regardless, and then Brian Shriver's goal ended the kicker's goalless streak at 515 minutes, which is eight hours and 35 minutes. Ouch. Um, Ryan, as he is wont to do, was so kind to list things that you can do in, in 515 minutes. Ryan, would you like to educate the folks on, on what you could do in that time period? It was funny because Brian Shriver's goal against Atlanta United two a few weeks ago was the one that kicked off the, or was the last remaining goal and then with the past 515 minutes elapsed, you can watch the first three Harry Potter movies and then the full one full hour at the fourth one. You can watch the original trilogy of Star Wars and the Phantom Menace and have five minutes to spare. Watch 22% of all current Marvel cinematic movies drive Jeez. from Richmond to Jacksonville, fly from New York to Paris one way, and the longest game in MLB history in between the White Sox and the Brewers in May of 1984, that was still eight hours and six minutes. <laughs> Brian, which one of these would you like to do? All of them? None of them? I, I, sorry. Um, right. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Driving from Richmond, Virginia to Jacksonville, Florida wouldn't be terrible. No. Um, Harry Potter movies, probably, yep. if I'm being yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Harry Potter movies or the Star Wars tri- uh, original trilogy. Listen, that hour of the fourth movie is the best hour of the fourth movie. So it's it's a good it's a good shout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't actually know that off the top of my head, but I mean, it's it's probably all right. Um, or just watch the chess scene from whichever movie that was in a bunch of times. I, I just chess. had to do the mathematics to figure out which Harry Potter movie was the fourth one. <laughs> Goblet of Fire. Thank you. Ask the stat robot. He knows. <laughs> Yeah. Ryan now evolving from just soccer stats to movie stats and random 90s book series stats. So good. Ryan's um, going to apply to both USL head up front office and TCM front office. That's Turner, Turner Classic, Classic movies, movies, everybody. Okay, thank you. I got it. Why? I don't know. Whatever. Um, speaking of knocking themselves out of, out of playoff hunt here, it's six matches without a win for Penn FC. And for a team that I thought was a very long shot to get in in the first place like a week ago, it's not helping. They're nine points out of a playoff spot currently. Or, yeah, they're nine points out of a playoff spot currently with New York Red Bull with two at 35 and eighth. Pen of Series down in 13th with 26. It's still nine points, but it's rough. Just, yeah. It's a lot of help, really. Like a lot of help. Uh, 
Next match, FC Cincinnati 3, Charleston 0. Emmanuel Ledesma, speaking of scores, former Wilmington Hammerhead, former Philadelphia Union, Corbin Bone gets a goal right on the halftime, and then uh, Skylar Thomas, an own goal in the 90th. Big old. So, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but with FC Cincinnati, has Adi scored a goal yet? No. No. No? No. (laughs) I actually think he was on the bench for this game. He didn't come in, huh? Man, that uh, getting the soul to a USL team sure is working out for him. It's almost like he's not thrilled to not be playing in MLS this year. (laughs) I I don't know if he came in, but I know for a fact he was on the bench at the start of the game. He He is being very political if he doesn't like it. Because he's like hanging out with the team, he's like uh, talking about how excited he is and w- how much he I, wants to win. Well, remember one of the things I mentioned is that he is a very professional player, so yeah. he could certainly be upset, but he won't show it. He's a really good guy. Hey, good for and that's him. Credit to him for that. You Definitely. Know? Well, and I I feel like, and I'm very much a proponent that when you add a player into the mix or even two players in the mix, it takes some time to kind of get everybody to gel and yeah. to understand. So in his defense, it might be more of a thing that, you know, he's not getting the service up to him. So he's struggling to actually put balls in the back of the net. So as a result, they might've just moved him down to the bench to yeah. bring him on later on. Well, and it's not like Cincinnati first place in the East beating pretty much everyone they want to. And yeah, they're not hurting any fashion they want to or really struggling for goals so if it's not broke don't fix it in the way but you know Adi did I was going to say you're paying him to play but you're not this year so it's fine Adi did so Adi subbed in at 73 minutes Ryan just told us I mean I think the bigger thing would be if FC Cincinnati can just barely edge Real Monarchs for supporter shield currently Cincinnati's sitting with 51 points Real Monarchs is with 50 if you look at the teams closest to them behind that you have Orange County at 47 and then split between Pittsburgh and Phoenix at 44 if I'm Alan Koch, I tell the team it's yeah. embarrassing if you don't win the Supporter Shield this year. Like, you have to win. You need to win something. And the Supporter Shield isn't good enough, I don't think. No. I mean, it's great. I agree with you. And that is a really big, you know, indicator of how well you did in the regular season. But it's it's not the not the cup. I mean, they've been winning like won't. crazy, so he can't be upset. Yeah. But he needs to push no, these no, no. guys somehow. And I feel like that's a good one. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Give them For a sure. goal to finish out the season, even though they don't need it. Sure. Speaking of things they didn't need, Louisville nil, Nashville nil. A uh, little help for Cincy. But, uh, yeah. It, it, Louisville unbeaten in five, Nashville winless in their last six. On the road. On the road. So, poor road form for Nashville. Louisville are, are fine. I, Hackworth's team and granted he's adding pieces haven't been incredibly impressive but like I I don't know they have a system and I think they're still playing that system and I haven't seen him really change a whole lot in terms of tactics and formation so you know kind of evens out yeah but it'll be interesting to see next year what he does and what Louisville looks like I suppose yeah I think the big changes will happen in the offseason is it is it okay if I mention those players you, you kind of said for a second? Yeah, yeah, no, they were announced. So I mean, those were official team releases. So you're, yeah. you're fine. Go for it. Yeah. So they added um, Jose Carranza was playing for ATL UTD two. I said it. Yeah. And um, James Sands is also on loan from NYCFC. Um, yeah. And so this is a guy that 
you know, NYC doesn't use their affiliate in San Antonio. Yeah. And seriously. this kid has not, he's been playing with the U19s and he's, he's better than that. Or he could be better than that if he got some. Well, that's US probably why Hack got him though, right? Well, and yeah. And so what Hack has that? the so youth. Weird. So he played for the U17s last year. He, he played mm-hmm. as, a, as a, or in the, in the World Cup rather. Yeah. And, and he played as a center back. He usually plays as a defensive mid for NYC, but he did a great job. And um, Hackworth knows him. And so this is a huge connection. All these, these USL young teenagers that want to move to Europe, this is a great place if they're not getting mm-hmm. minutes with the senior team and they want to go above U19s. They need to find a good USL squad that they trust and want to go to yeah. somewhere. And and Hackworth is perfect for those guys. So we might see like a mass exodus mm-hmm. of, of these teenagers who want a little bit of a chance in USL that aren't getting it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Quality well, guys. Especially because like the the like development academy doesn't work like it you you don't have to be there all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're free to play club soccer. Yeah. Um, unless they're in an academy, really. So why not? It's just a step up, you know, and and, it, and it's different skills. You know, I think U19 might be a little more technical, but if you want to be able to mm. play against grown men, USL is where right. you want to go before perhaps a move to Europe is what yeah. has been happening as of late. So Fair enough. Uh, RGV FC2, Oklahoma City 4. Um I guess in order they were scored. Christian Valeski in the 34th, Alex Dixon in the 36th for OKC. Matias Zaldivar got one um, right at the end of the half. And then it was uh, Valeski getting his second, Adam Yan getting the fourth for Oklahoma City. And then Todd Wharton pulls one back with a penalty kick in the 79th. Um, that's a really good win for OKC, especially on the road. They have stepped it up lately. Yes, they have. A lot of teams are getting really upset that they're losing to OKC, and I think perhaps OKC's doing they're they've figured something out. Okay, that, uh, that Christian obviously in OKC is only two points out of a playoff spot now. Yep. Yeah. And that Christian Sam- Valeski guy likes uh, likes pressure a little bit, I think. I think so too. And yeah, I, yeah. and you know OKC Whoa. just got a new coach and picked up players late you know they figured out their player yeah, yeah. situation late and they're just now starting to figure it out to inject myself upon this conversation um no i i was upset when t2 lost to oklahoma city uh earlier in the season when i first saw khalif al hassan again for the first time in person uh and it was like oh okc picked him up you know oh what well they're a garbage team we'll beat him and then they then they just thoroughly outplayed us i was like oh crap i was upset but had that happened right now, I would not be upset. Like, no, Oklahoma City is a good team. Mm, yeah. And I don't know what they did, if it was the players they signed or, or whatever, they changed their strategy. But, you know, it's working, and, and they're uh, deservedly moving themselves up the table and probably putting themselves in some playoff uh, conversation. They just beat the Monarchs 3-2. to two. So... Yeah, which Seriously. is probably their victory of the season, honestly, because, you know, be. if if I would say the best win that T2's made all season, it was when we had beaten Real Monarchs and given them their only, the only, the first West, the first loss to a Western Conference team and only the second loss overall. I was like, that's our signature win this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Phil, we're back to you. Uh, 1-0 loss to Fresno away for St. Louis. Um, 
a little bit of a rug being pulled out from underneath you guys there? No. Yeah. I mean, normally you would say yes. And, and we have trouble scoring at times and, and perhaps that's still at fault here, but there were a few like series of play where St. Louis had like, they put together tons of passes and had a really dangerous shot on goal. Um, I'm still excited about this team and, and they're worn out. We played a lot of uh, second string guys, kind of second string guys. Um, in this game, including um, the new player, Tyler Pollock, that we also pulled from Miami FC too, um, yep. playing left back because we had no depth at left back uh, since we lost Aiden Stanley to Duke. So, um, yeah, I mean, right, yeah. Fresno is a good team and they've been away and they've been losing away. And I think they were happy to be home. They got a worldie of a goal. So I don't even really fault anyone for that, except perhaps mm-hmm. you had to mark a guy a few yards from the center line. <laughs> That's exaggerating. Yeah. But um, anyway, the, it, was, it wasn't it was a win. They're tired. They're playing too many games right now. I don't hold it against them. I still have faith because of that win against Sac Republic. And we'll see if they can keep this streak of good play going. Um, but it is, you have to at least question, maybe maybe the rug is pulled out from under them. But I don't think we'll know for another two or three games. BC, I'm, I'm curious as a guy that um, pretty much only follows the Eastern Conference, as far as I know, do you have like thoughts on the teams out in the West? Or like what, like what can I, how can I help you here? <laughs> no, I mean, I I generally don't know much about the Western Conference, so that's no, kind of cool. why I'm it's cool. Even I squad. listen. No, I, I mean, St. Louis, St. Louis is the closest that I've been able to actually follow remotely. Sure. So, um, but yeah. that's because they should be in like the Central Division. Yeah, um, you guys, yeah. like, well, let's just <laughs> we can make our own division. Yeah, um, that seems fair. Yeah, that's fine. Gerrymander yeah. it up. Yeah, that's a whole new show. <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's my. Stay tuned for that podcast. Gerrymander it up. Uh, we look. We take a look at political maps and do better. <laughs> um, moving on. Kev, did you have anything? So you're right. Uh, what now? Okay. Um, I am having uh, a conversation with you guys, a conversation with my coworkers, yeah. and texting my wife. All at the same time. Okay, cool. The real question That's was... Just, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll just keep moving. Real Monarchs 3, Tulsa Roughnecks 2, um, Birmingham Legion forward midfielder Chandler Hoffman's getting the third for Real Monarchs. Tulsa get two. Um, made it a little interesting late on uh, with Jesus Ferreira and Eddie Tavares. Or Eddie. Either way. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's close for... Um, Real Monarchs there in terms of dropping points and it was tied for about three minutes and then Justin Portillo came in and said no we're going to win this and they do so so yeah I mean Real Monarchs I mean what else can you say they won the shot battle 21-14 and 9-3 in shots on target yeah I mean the only thing Tulsa led in were tackles and clearances and they definitely did make it interested Interesting towards the end to have it tied, but then Justin Portillo came in at the 86 and was just able to edge Real Monarchs and get a win to kind of uh, basically have the same fixture victory over after the first result at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Continuing Sacramento's weird week, they lose one to four to LA Gal- for sorry to Los Dos. Um, Six matches in a row unbeaten, then you lose two. 
I'm not saying that they're in trouble or anything in terms of missing the playoffs because they're certainly not. But man, that's 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 not good, especially at home to give up four to the to Lostos, who granted can score literally at the drop of a hat. Um, but they can. But let to them only too. What's that? Yeah, they scored the fifth too. They got the own goal. Well, I mean, they can let up goals too. So. Oh no, it's true. They're very yeah. porous. But yeah, I mean, it's a weird one for sure. I agree. Ryan, or I mean, is there any? Are you concerned at all? Is this just kind of a, a hiccup, and maybe looking past the team? I'm not sure. I mean, I know Pony has stated in or in episodes past that it just doesn't seem like Sacramento starts a game, or they forget when the start yeah, time is. This was um, with uh, Miguel Aguilar's goal in the seventh minute for Los Dos. That was the sixth goal Republic has given up in the first ten minutes of a match all season, especially after what St. Louis did to them earlier in the week, giving up two goals in the first yeah. 10 minutes. It just seems like they have trouble starting matches, and then you basically couple that, that they just come alive in the second half. It doesn't seem like they give themselves enough time to play if you're only like coming alive for 45 minutes. So it might be a worrying result for sure, but they're still very handily in the playoff picture or with nine points mm-hmm. above San Antonio, who's in eighth, Sacramento currently sitting in fourth. And honestly, there's still four points behind Orange County. So I look at it as it may just be a hiccup, but it's a worrying sign that they start matches very slow. Yep. Guys, speaking of not starting things slow, if you're maybe looking to, I don't know, pick up a a nice and shiny new Manchester City kit or the other team that plays around Manchester, Salford United, (laughs) <laughs> or maybe, you know, Brighton have Albion or, or, or how about, you know, you're going to play in your own indoor league coming up this fall and you need some cleats. Well, I have some good news for you. Our friends at Soccer Loco don't start off slow. They'll get you what you need. Check them out. Uh, our website, uslshow.com. There's a blue box there. Or if you're colorblind, it's a gray box. And uh, click on that guy. Buy everything you need. My, my good friend DK will help you out um, through the internet and give you your things. So, uh, so go check those guys out. They're, they're lovely folks. They're based out of San Diego, California, but they will uh, they will certainly hook you up. It's good stuff. Once again, uslshow.com. Click on that blue and or gray box, depending on how well you can see colors. And uh, and, and check out Soccer Loco. There you go. That's, that's called your, it's called your, uh, your mid-episode sneaky ad read right there. Sneaky, sneaky. Bow. Pretty sneaky. And it was. Before you continue, I'm going yeah. to cut. I'm going to cut out. Okay. So I can uh, concentrate on other yeah, conversations. Concentrate on finishing your drink. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, Glass I'm on my second drink. Yeah. Oh, okay. Great. Yep. Yep. All right, man. You guys have a great night. Love you. Later, Kev. Love you too, Bye, guys. Bye, bye. Our dear friend, Big Kev, Kevin McCamish, just said, "I love you." To five, nope, four other gentlemen on the internet, to a bunch of people that he works with. So if he's not fired on Monday, work for that company, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's your moral of the story. Uh, where are we? Great. Vegas lights. Vegas Phoenix. Phoenix. Oh, Vegas and Phoenix. Vegas lose two nothing to Phoenix. This, the atmosphere in this match was amazing. So credit to the to the traveling Phoenix Rising supporters, um, for that. Solomon Asante in the tenth minute. He might be a sneaky pick for MVP of the league. Maybe not so sneaky. Nah, yeah, maybe not. But like, ooh, he's good. I liked. I never would have guessed that Asante was was that good compared to Ledesma, that, but I think Pony that's makes, how he ended up in Phoenix. Yeah, Pony <laughs> makes a good argument. I think I still land on Ledesma, but it's a good argument. Man, I who I don't know. 
I I typically put a lot of weight on assists in this league. So, that's fair. Yeah, but that's oh, fair. He scores a large percentage of his team's goals. He does, and he looks good doing them too. He can hit them from anywhere. Yep. Solomon Sante, MLS team, come get him. He's a killer. Uh, big win for Phoenix. Uh, bad loss for for Vegas. They don't score a whole lot, and they've lost their last three. So. They went from, ha, huh, this is a really funny team, to wait, they might be good, to maybe not. Now, always keep you guessing. <laughs> I, I, I will say that while St. Louis is the closest Western Conference team that I would consider actually like paying attention to, mm-hmm. it's really difficult not to enjoy everything that Phoenix does. Yeah, yeah. do you live vicariously through Phoenix or, uh, or Phoenix and Vegas? Because like like, I think those are two just really fun Western Conference teams for kind of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Well, like, and then Vegas is just crazy, and Phoenix is just really good at soccer. Especially being like, being that, and it sounds weird saying this, but being like my first full season as yeah. like being involved and paying attention, like detailed wise into USL. Yeah, yeah. There's well, okay. I mean, it was a lot easier in that other league that I can't mention, or else I could put on a blacklist. But when you you know play three teams, it's it's a little easy. Sixty two times. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I understand. Yeah. Um. But, like, occasionally I'll just be scrolling through Twitter and, like, I'll just see, I'm like, oh, that Vegas team exists and there's a llama. So, um, okay. Like, it's just weird that occasionally I just remind myself that Vegas has a team and um, they do really random stuff and Freddie Adu plays there. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot that. <laughs> I've just pulled up the uh, individual rankings comparing Ledesma to Solomon Asante. They both, it's interesting, they're both currently level with 11 goals, although three of those goals from Asante are PKs. He's, but if you also look at other things, such as assists, Ledesma's leading 10-6, but if you're including uh, key passes with that, Solomon Asante blows Ledesma out of the water at 71-37. to 37. Uh, Asante's been offsides eight times compared to Ledesma's 15. And even... Considering that Asante doesn't give up as many fouls as Ledesma, he's given up. Asante's given up fifteen on the year. Ledesma's given up fifty-four. <laughs> oh. Still, how much do you actually like passing? Is basically what Ryan just asked. Dang. <laughs> yellow cards with Ledesma having eight yellow cards on the year. Asante having three. Mm. Dang. Ledesma does lead in passing and more passes, but Asante has a superior passing accuracy. Mm. These are these are we could debate Fight this for to the ages. Yes. Fight to the de- Cage um, match. No, what they have to do is actually they have to set up tiny nets and a couple ball shooters and they play that FIFA mini game. There it is. With passing and whoever scores better wins. Fair enough. Yeah. And then Jake Edwards shoots a trophy out of one of the shot the, the ball things. <laughs> out of a t shirt cannon? For- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like and like but he but he but he shoots it really high and it's whoever controls it better. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, again, again, why am I giving out this great free advice to the league? It's because I love them, <laughs> and they, they haven't told me to stop yet. We so. need to blow through these last two songs. Uh, we do. We, do. we need to get out of here. <laughs> so Park Three, Reno Three, uh, Tyler Blackwood in the seventh and the twenty ninth, and then Haji Berry, who is very good at soccer, by the way. In the 90th minute. And then for Reno, Brian Brown twice in the 12th and the 64th, and, and Jerry Van uh, Ewick in the 82nd. 
Sport Park Rangers eight match winless streak, which is weird. Five losses and three draws in that time. Reno have scored in 15 consecutive matches, which is crazy. That goes all the way back to when I was 23 on May 9th. Um, yeah, I mean, good draw. Swope need a win here soon. Hopefully they can get one of those. Um, yeah. Tulsa's coming up for a swope. They play San Antonio yes. next on Saturday and that yeah, on Saturday, August 25th. And then Wednesday, August 29th, swope will host Tulsa followed by um, OKC and then Fresno. So oh, there's a win in Tulsa, but that's a difficult stretch. I could see I mean, OKC is now more tougher of an opponent. And Fresno is a really key team that they need to get a result against just to keep Fresno away from where Swole Park Rangers currently are. Because Fresno is just right below SPR mm-hmm. in the table, separated by just one point. Hmm. Right on. And your final match of the week in the tiny Cascadia Cup. Portland Timbers 2-4, Seattle Sounders 2-1, meaning the team that plays in Portland, Oregon in the United Soccer League, who plays in, uh, well, Tacoma, I guess, Washington, uh, in, in the USL scored once. Uh, Foster Langsdorf gets a brace. He had a pretty good week. I think I voted for him for player of the week. I forget. Uh, but three goals for him on the week, two in this match. Renzo Zambrano gets one in the 61st, and Adrian Despie gets one in the 78th. Seattle goal from Joshua Atencio in the 76. Seattle lose their last seven away. Portland have won three in a row. Um, Timber's going to find a way to stay in the hunt and sneak into the playoffs, probably. I mean, they still have a shot at top four. They're only That's a point fair. behind Sacramento at 42 points, with Sacramento having 43. So, I mean, I guess the ceiling would probably be about third place, but I would guess that they'd kind of know themselves around fifth or sixth because – the thing that is troubling for them would be that Reno and San Antonio and St. Louis all have matches in hand over T2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got yeah. really excited when they were slipping for a little while, but mm-hmm. I think they're recovering, and it's, it's making me a little more nervous. <laughs> You're not as happy. And St. Seattle's- Louis still has a game against the Monarchs and Phoenix. So yeah. Seattle's one of those weird teams that every time I you guys mention them on the show, I'm like, you know, they're kind of like Toronto, where... They can feasibly go down to D3 if they wanted to. Yeah. That's a really good point. I mean, that wouldn't be such a terrible thing. And that's, I, I, you know, with all these two teams in USL, you have the argument where everybody's like, let's move all the MLS two teams down to D3. Those underperforming teams might be, or teams that just don't have a parent club that's willing to put in the time and effort to actually make them of the standard of USL. I think Seattle Sounders too, unless they magically become this great new team. And I know they kind of fluctuate every uh, couple of years, but I, I I wouldn't be against them moving down to T3 because I think that would be a pretty strong pillar. That's a really good shout. And that's someone I always forget about that. I could be like, yep, sure. I, they sense. kind of fit the mold of why Toronto's moving down. So. Right. That's literally, they're the West Coast Toronto. Mm-hmm. It would be the same idea. I also um, at least want to give props to Portland. Last season, they had the second worst uh, season of any USL club, only to the 2013 Antigua Barracuda per my ELO rankings. And the fact that Portland's been able to come back and at least excel enough that they would find their way into a playoff spot is a really good turnaround. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, Guys, I'm going to do show plugs real quick, and then I think we can let Brian plug himself, and then we're going to get out of here. So let's do that. 
If you didn't know, dear uh, listener listening to this on the download, yes, hi, it's you. How are you doing? Good, great. We go live every Monday night at about 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can find the link uh, on our Twitter, at the USL Show, or if you'd like, go on to the YouTubes, search the USL Show, and we'll be there. And you can hit subscribe, and then you will get a notification when we go live. And you can listen live and chat and do things. It'll be great. It's a good time. You should hang out. Um, but if you can't make it, no worries. We're uh, available for you on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, anywhere you get your podcast, or where it seems to drop before everywhere else by a little bit. I'll call it like half an hour. TheUSLShow.com. And there, you can find the rest of all of our friends at uh, the Beautiful Game Network podcast, like Unused Subs and Foxtrot and Mongols and um, a ton of them. Rising is one. Uh, tons of podcasts. Go check them out. It's good stuff. Chances are, if you like a team in the USL, we have a podcast for you. It's neat. Uh, you can also uh, check us out at BGN Written. Um, I know a couple of us are doing things there. Um, or you can follow uh, myself at Speak Kevin Speak. You can follow Phil at Phil with two L's, Grooms with two O's. You can follow Ryan at ILM underscore Ryan. You can follow Kevin McCamish at K McCamish PDX or uh, PTK Podcast. And Brian. I will stop talking and let you say whatever you'd like about social media things and where people can find you or not find you. Well, like you said, you can check everything out over at BGN written. Um, I've been, I, I was very happy and very honored because you guys, and maybe not to get too cheesy, but like BGN as a whole is just a great group of people that are, I, I've been very fortunate to grow my soccer friend family. So, um, Brian, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you too. Um, <laughs> Uh, secretly mm-hmm. and publicly, but, <laughs> yeah, um, fun. but seriously, uh, check out BGN written, um, indie 11 wise. You can check me out on Twitter at, at soccer with Brian. Um, also just to give him a plug, Richard rainwater does really good recaps. So if you miss anything, indie 11 wise during the week, um, he's very good at, you know, recapping everything. So go check him out on BGN written. But yeah, if, if seriously, like, I cannot emphasize this enough person listening that has no connection. If you do not like any coverage or you think that you can do a better job covering any part of it, reach out to BGN because they're a great group of people and they'll give you a platform. We should sure. also we should also thank Laura Ellen for joining us as well yeah, as Steven yeah. Hernandez. Mama. Taylor what? Sorrells joined us. Thank as you. Well. Stay tuned. Thank she'll, you guys. she'll be on. Taylor, thanks for joining. Taylor, thanks for subscribing. I did see that pop in. Um but yeah, guys. Also, uh, oh, if anyone didn't check and listen to it, we dropped our first episode of our Patreon exclusive show called Stick to Sports, in which we revealed that I'll say it now because it'll it'll hook people for next month. Kevin Cavish was in a movie, and we're gonna watch it and talk about it. God, I'm so excited. Patreon folks, I'm so excited to listen to that. So, um, so that'll be a thing coming to you guys in September for our Patreons. Again, $1 a month. It's $12 a year, and you get access to Stick to Sports. You get access to all of our live streams and everything. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll throw up some Patreon-exclusive posts every once in a while, and if you have any questions for us about our Stick to Sports series um, in terms of topics or things like that, or if you want us to do, like, a USL show uh, roundtable, we can certainly accommodate that. So check us out there. Uh, USLshow.com is a box for a Patreon or a link for a Patreon somewhere in the screen there, as well as just patreon.com backslash the USL show. Behalf of everyone, thanks for sticking with us. Sorry the episode was uh, A, a little late tonight, um, and then B, sorry we uh, we stuck around for a little bit too long, but those seem to be the, the length of our live stream. So, uh, for Kev, for Pony who's not here, but I'll just say on behalf of him, for Phil, for Ryan, for the lovely Brian Cook, 
MLS signing off. We'll talk to you guys uh, next week for sure. So uh, stay uh, stay tuned and I guess keep it wavy. Keep, keep it wavy. wavy. <laughs>